Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, podcast listeners. You know, this past couple of messages that we have done has literally shaken the foundation of some people's deaths. Got some good emails and a couple text messages and even had a confession of a salvation after listening to the message on authority. Somehow this person got the message in there that if you have such a respect for the word, you can still have a disrespect for authority. I'm going to say that one more time. That there's some people that actually believe that you can have a respect for the word of God and have a disrespect for authority at the same time. You cannot. Those two do not go together. Some people believe that you can have a respect for Jesus Christ, but not a respect for church leaders. Got that one too this week. That does not exist. So now we need to break this down a little bit further. This is number 165 of our Identity Matters series. The topic tonight is called Authority, Ignoring the Inward Voice of Christ. Now what is a great mystery to me is that there are millions of people walking around on the earth saying that they are hearing directly from God and that they're hearing Jesus. Jesus said this to me. Jesus said that to me. I had a lady talking to me, actual voice conversation, that was saying that Jesus does not want me to be unhappy. And what we were discussing was that she's in was in the middle of divorcing her husband. Now I came back with, can you please help me understand how you know that Jesus is approving this divorce because he does not want you unhappy? And of course, the response was, I heard him say this in my mind. That's called the millennial Jesus. You will never, listener, listen to me very carefully. You will never hear Jesus say to you anything that is in contradiction to his statement of belief. And what is that? It's the Bible. This here is God's statement of faith. If you want to know what Jesus actually believes... You would have to actually read the Bible. But the surveys are showing that the percentage of self-proclaimed Christians that read the Bible is below 20%. Now how in the world could you be 
in the lower 20% of quote-unquote Christians and not be reading the Bible. That does not make any sense to me. But yet you're coming up with all of these prophecies and all of these statements from that you're hearing from Jesus. There's something wrong with your Jesus. There is a millennial Jesus. There's a false prophet today. There are many false prophets today who are focusing around what they hear others say God is, what they hear others say that Jesus is saying. And they're adopting it and believing it like they saw it in a movie. I'm guilty of that. There are certain things I believed about Moses that I actually saw in a movie when I was a kid. And I was preaching from it in Colorado Springs when some guy walked up to me and said, uh, Steve, I need to let you know something. That stuff you were telling me, telling us about Moses, it's in the movie. It's not in the Bible. It happens. I thought, man, I better get my story straight before I start doing some preaching. I still fall into that occasionally. So this is a real, real issue. Now before we go on, I want to give you our book of the week. This is a very special book to me. This is a very special author to me. Those of you who are are part of my parents' generation probably are going to remember this book. It's called The Handbook to Happiness by Dr. Charles Solomon. Tyndale just did another reprint on this, and it's still a hot book at the publisher. And this book covers simply, and I mean in a simple fashion, through diagrams, the difference between being dead to Christ, being alive in Christ and being a self-centered indwelt Christian. It's an awesome book. Dr. Solomon knows that I refer to him often as an intellectual. If you ever met Dr. Solomon personally, you would know that is a very light way of saying it. This man's brilliant. God gave him a lot in that brain of his. He is a wonderful poet. He's got four, five, maybe more volumes of his poems. People who are poets and intellectual writers at the same time are the guys I like to read because they're able to actually write in an intellectual fashion from their heart. You'll find the Handbook to Happiness probably one of the most significant books you have ever read. And as we continue to find better and easier ways for the millennial generation to get this message, you could be praying for us as we continue our campaign of getting the exchange life to the millennial generation. Let's go back to our scriptures that were read earlier tonight. It's out of Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Well, how in the world did the word of the Lord come to Jonah if there was no Bible? Oh, did God come and show up personally? 
No, because no one gets to see the face of God before Jesus got to see the face of God. And even in a couple biblical experiences of Moses and others, they were not able to see the face of the Lord. They could certainly see him walking away, but they could not cast their eyes upon the face of the Father yet. So, no, God didn't show up personally. So what happened? sent the Holy Spirit upon them. Gabriel, the archangel, and all of his angels were in full gear in the Old Testament. There were angels seen all the time, particularly when messages had to be delivered to guys like Jonah. So here's Jonah receiving this message. It goes on to say who he was the son of, and then he says, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, the details I'm going to bring out in this passage probably are not the common details that a pastor is going to bring up in this passage. One, how did Jonah get the message? Because there's an issue of here of Jonah listening, hearing, as the King James would call it, hearkening. To the voice of the Lord. Well, he rejected it. He heard by the hearing of his ears and he rejected it. That didn't stop the messenger from delivering the message. The message was short, sweet, and simple. So simple it scared the daylights out of Jonah. I don't know what Jonah's mental state was at that point in his life. I don't really care. I don't care if he was scared to death. I don't care if he was a rebellious young prophet. I don't care if he wasn't even seen as a prophet. What I do care about is the issues that are being brought out here is that Jonah was written in the book of life before Jonah was even born to do this mission. His rebellion, his bad attitude, his bad day is not going to stop this angel or the spirit from giving the message. Because the message has to be delivered before the spankings can begin to occur. So, the message is, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Okay. That's it. Bye-bye. I'm going back to sleep. Poor Jonah couldn't even get back to sleep on that one. Can you imagine God waking you up at three in the morning and telling you something? That happened to me three three nights ago. Three o'clock in the morning, God wakes me up and tells me about something that's going on with someone in Florida. I'm like, really? Three? I'm in my office all day. You could have got an appointment. That's how I felt. The message comes at the hour that God wants it to come because it's ordained to do so. And that's why no matter how I feel, physically, psychologically, spiritually, I'm always high. But no matter how I feel, the Lord says this message must be delivered this week. I have preached in my office alone to an audience 
Why would I do such a thing? Because the podcast has to get out. Now, I haven't been obedient to that message. There's been times where I'm like, I am not doing it. People don't care anyway. And I'm sure God was going, oh, I'm sorry. Let's do this another day, okay? No, he says, get up. Do you realize in that motion of getting up, God can heal your body in split seconds? When he says, get up, pick up your bed. That kind of faith that is required for all of us is difficult for all of us. That's what Jonah's faced with here. I I don't know if he had a virus and he just didn't feel good. Or if he was one of the great rebels of his day. I don't know. I just know the message was delivered and here's what Jonah did. But Jonah rose up. Thank you, Jonah. That was at least submission a little bit. Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence It wasn't to flee the commandment that was given to him. It wasn't to flee the burden of, oh, come on, I I can't go. It was to flee from the presence of the living God. Voice of God, message delivered, resisting the message, er, which is resisting God. Jonah was a smart man. He knew exactly by getting up and acting like he was going to go down to the boat was going to fool God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's about to realize exactly what authority is and how it works. Do you think if I'm having a bad day, and I want you people to really think about this, 602-292-2982, I want you to think about this, And toss me a text. Do you think that God is going to adjust something on his timeline because you don't feel good? You say, well, you know, sickness is sickness. But what if you don't feel good emotionally? I never have one of those days. But (laughs) what if? I just don't feel like listening to you today, Lord. I don't want to respond to that email. I don't want to. Is God going to rearrange his ordained, predestined book of life? It's already written. Stay with me, listener. Here's how it works. Author, author, authority. The one who wrote the book. What was the first book written? The first book written was the book of life. God developed the law and gave it to mankind from the book of life so that the book of life can be put into motion on earth. Now, along the way, the testimonies of those who obeyed God and those who resisted God became the testimonies of the Old Testament. The Bible that we call holy is holy because God breathed his plan into these people's lives. 
Same thing with the New Testament. New testimonies. The Word is God. He wrote the book of life. He's the author. He's the author of the Word. Jesus is the author of faith. That's authority. Now, back to our little story here. Job, Jonah makes this decision that he is going to rebel against not the message, but, and not the messenger, but the presence of the living God. And that's what he was running from. How many of us indwelt believers today are running from the voice of God from within? Shall we count the ways in one day? This is a big issue for us. Then there's this 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 blurry, lukewarm group of people in the world that actually truly, truly, truly believe that they are Christians. They couldn't hear the voice of God if they begged for it. Not from within. You see, unsaved people have to get the message from a messenger. Indwelt believers can receive the message from the messenger from within, right? It, the Holy Spirit speaks and you listen and you carry out what the objective is that the Holy Spirit gave you. I do have to admit, I get tired of the millennial emails that I get about God, Jesus. They don't talk. God the Father much. Jesus is so loving and respectful of them and doesn't push them and doesn't require things of them that are uncomfortable and that make them unhappy and, and, and. That is not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know is extremely aggressive, but there's no hate in his aggressiveness. The Holy Spirit has one objective in mind for you. To carry out the will of the Father. Now why should that be so complicated? He doesn't have to prove that he loves you over and over and over and over again. That's called milk. That's what you give infants. When you have meat, you want to digest such deep levels of truths that you can want to rise up instantly and carry it out some way in a mission or ministry. Well, the story goes on. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish. That was the modern day Vegas at the time. That's what it was. Gambling hole. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish to obviously escape from the presence of the Lord. There it is again. Then God just decided not to harass Jonah directly, which he didn't even do that when he was getting his message. It was just speak, deliver the message, and come on back. That was the angel's requirement. And Jonah's left with this, oh, I don't want to be around God. He's, you know, whatever his reasons were, probably the same ones we have. 
So what did the Lord do? He hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. See, what Jonah had to realize here is that God was in charge of everything. He was in charge of the storms. He was in charge of the beautiful-looking sunset. He was in charge of everything. And for Jonah to think that God was only limited to this message is ridiculous. Our humanness and our human flesh, we think we literally can run from God. That's ridiculous. It cannot take place if you're unsaved, if you think you're saved, or you are saved. The authority of God owns everything, and he's in everything, and he owns everything and contributes to everything or takes it away or stretches it. He does anything he pleases because he happens to be the one who created it. So there we have Jonah falling apart at the seams on this boat internally. The odd thing about Jonah is that he was a coward, much like me. He didn't have the guts to commit suicide. Jump off the boat yourself, Jonah. Don't pin this on us. He's pinning it on other people to take the burden of murder. Jump off the boat yourself, Jonah. He didn't even have the guts to commit suicide. He, he was a smart man and he set it up in such a way that other people have to take the blame for his shame. It's one of the smallest books in the Bible. Read the whole book. You will see him pouting, complaining. He attempts suicide three times. But he never could go through with it. He had to do something like this. Lord God, take my life. To die is better than to live. What? Where does that come from? We just had 120,000 people got saved in Nineveh. And Jonah works his way to the top of the hill overlooking this city of destruction and hatred and sin and has been converted from the king down. And Jonah sits up on the hill and he's whining and complaining with God. He's waiting for God to throw a nuclear bomb on it. But why would God throw a nuclear bomb on it, Jonah, if he sent you there to save these precious people? You see what he was twisted in? His obedience had become sacrifice instead of a response of love. Well, God decides to have a discussion with him, if you remember. Do you have good reason, Jonah, to die? Yeah, burn them all. Now, we don't know how the story ends because one of the last verses in that book, he was asking to die again. Cowardly, of course. He could have just like jumped off the cliff or something. He was stuck. Like many of us get stuck. So I want us to break this down. But first, answer this question. 
Why would anyone want to flee the presence of Christ? Let's bring this right up to date. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.